0: Listeners,
3: the heating's on, it's getting darker and darker earlier and earlier so why not cheer yourself up this November with a subscription to The Athletic for just £1 a week. For a mere 100 of your Scottish pence every seven days you'll get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around plus a breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash scottish show. Hello and welcome to the
4: Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, hearts Heart, hibs and set up a date with Celtic. The future for fans at stadiums and Kieran Canning on the coefficient. I'm Andrew Slavin and I'm joined by someone who still manages to get to stadiums right now. From Motherwell Football Club, it's Laura Brannan. Hello. Yes, and after yesterday's uh, result at Hamden. He's shaken, not stirred. It's JJ Bull from The
1: Telegraph. Yes, we lost a Scottish icon this weekend, didn't we? Sean Connery. Your man, Sean Connery. The best Bond. The best, best, best Bond. Can't see anything else now, can you, anyway? Because you get cancelled, so...
4: (laughs) He was a Celtic fan um, when he grew up, but changed his allegiance to Rangers, which is not the norm in Glasgow uh, thing to do. Um, but it was kind of based on the fact that he was very good friends with David Murray.
1: Well, I think people change their club over time. Sometimes you don't have to. It's not like I don't know. It's a bit strange now. Like when you're young, you, you get stuck with a team. Some people support like Man United, and they're from. Uh, I have to think of an example, like Durban, and there'll be some <laughs> people that, or Durban or Dundee. You know, they've got no real association with it. It's the same thing with Rangers and Celtic. A lot, a lot of uh, people who work in football change who they support over time. Uh, who knows?
5: I don't think he ticks either of those boxes, JJ.
1: <laughs> Thing is, there was a couple of good football
4: stories that came out um, in kind of memory of Sean Connery and there was a good one from Ali McCoist when he was at Rangers. And apparently Ali McCoyst, uh, his voicemail message back in those days, which I don't know if he would have had mobile phones back in those days, but his voicemail message was, was in Sean Connery's accent. Um, kind of taking the, the piss out of Sean. Apparently, Sean Connery was invited into the dressing room in one game and says, All right, smart arse, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> to which Alan Coyce crumbled.
3: You're listening to the Totally
5: Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power.
0: Christie makes himself available again. He's going to shoot here. It's Christie. That is absolutely brilliant from Ryan Christie. What a strike that is to open the scoring.
4: In the Scottish Cup semi-final Once again, Hearts will stand in Celtic's way In their aspirations for the quadruple treble um, As Neil Lennon's side progressed to the Scottish Cup final With a 2-0 win over Aberdeen on Sunday Pretty good start um, from Aberdeen But uh, Ryan Christie with an absolute worldy.
1: Yes, is that your question for me? <laughs> Absolutely, I want you to tell me about it, JJ It was a world. It might be better coming from you, being the Aberdeen fan um, Well, I don't know, I mean A lot of people got excited about this game I think we all knew deep down Celtic were going to win it Because they always do, especially in a cup I don't uh, think you had to go
5: very deep To assume that Celtic were going to win this one Not, not, not deep down, like quite high up <laughs> What? I don't understand Let's Say it again As in, not not deep deep down. I think everyone just knew on the surface.
1: Oh right. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. I I, I honestly don't. I don't care. Like it. uh, (laughs) It doesn't matter. The uh, Celtic were half decent in this game. Uh, Lennon went back to his four two three one again. He had Edward back in. He had Christie playing Rogic there. Brown playing again. Like uh, starting with the back four seems to work for them. Just because they've got better players, they can get more forward that way. Um, Thought they were decent enough. I think Aberdeen were unlucky. They started really well. I think Cosgrove had a couple of chances he should have done a bit better with. One of the back posts. he should probably have scored, actually. But if you don't take those, that's when you end up getting done in. Like, the way to beat Celtic in a semi-final like that would be to take that chance and then lock it down, basically. Hit them on JJ, the one, thing,
4: one thing I noticed was, especially in the second half, it didn't feel like Celtic were out of first gear. And, you know, I thought Aberdeen could have pressed Celtic a bit more.
1: Uh, No i don't think so if you if you really? open up if you press them and go higher up in the celtic you open up they'd already let in two goals so if you go and push up the other end and press like that you're just waiting to be taken apart the, i think the more sensible way to manage the game was to largely do what they did like i say they missed those chances early on and then like there's nothing they can really do about that christie goal i've seen people trying to say that uh someone should close them down quicker The the way it works is that the ball comes down the right hand side and then um, Kennedy gets back into position as left wing-back. The ball swaps to Christie, who goes inside. And so Kennedy can't follow him. He has to go back in position and hold the shape. And so McCrory is then in charge, looking after Christie. He moves back into midfield the sh- the shape that they should be in, which is the right thing to do in that position, because you can't expect someone to bend it in the top corner for 30 yards, but he does. And then... Uh, but yeah, JJ, you know,
4: this is this is set the seventh time Aberdeen have faced Celtic at Hamden. Yep. Um this goes back all the way to nineteen ninety two. Yep. This is this is and this is off the back of a, a really good performance last weekend. That's why it was all the, the build up was so so interesting. And I'm saying in the second half it just didn't look like fair enough they're managing the game, but it didn't look like there was that anything was going to change in that second half. And no, you want it's... someone to, to change something.
5: Yeah, it's a semi final. So you've got nothing oh. to lose in the second half. You either you're out You've got nothing else because at this point you're already out of the cup So you either go hell for leather and try and win the game and turn it around Or you just accept it at half time I mean why What, why they I,
1: to, what are you trying to suggest they weren't trying to win it?
5: No it's just that there was, no kind of, there was nothing from them to suggest that they were going to turn things around Why do Aberdeen not challenge Celtic in big games?
1: Laura when was the last time Celtic lost a game in a cup?
5: Yeah, it's been a very, very long time <laughs> Right, there's but, one for you Who's, When's the last time that
1: Celtic lost in the league To anyone apart from Rangers?
5: had it been last weekend once in like
1: 10 years
5: But if the Aberdeen of last weekend had turned up at Hamden We would have had a game in our hands
1: It's the same team The problem is that the, the players are better Like,
5: But no, no because no, because <laughs> hold on Because last week, you weren't saying that Last week they were good enough to get a point off Celtic Whereas uh-huh. now, they're not good enough how, how? What's changed in seven
1: days? They weren't, oh God. Okay, that's how I work out how I can explain this, and what I mean for this, right? <laughs> so for Celtic to lose to anyone in Scotland, they, they have to play badly and the other team has to get pretty lucky. And mm-hmm. you can you see, you might say that I'm being like, oh with all the money and whatever. Like they have the best players by far over other people. Look at the goal difference in the league just now, right? Rangers and Celtic miles ahead of everyone. Now, you can get close to Celtic in a ninety minute game, but when they're on it and they're riding the back of this, they just drew two all a little. Like they're a brilliant team, right? Celtic so come into this game, they're on it, it's a semi-final, they're not going to drop this, and they are motivated, they're in order, they're organised, better players on the pitch. You can, so uh, are if you, that are game you was seen... played again, again, again what, and again, and again, again. Aberdeen that, might JJ. win. Hang on! <laughs> if that game was played again, and again, and again, and again, like 20 times, Aberdeen would probably, honestly, win maybe twice. But, you almost, but Aberdeen almost won last week!
5: I, Sorry. I want to, I want, so to are you JJ, saying... I
1: want to ask JJ, do you think
4: your your views as as an Aberdeen fan reflect most Aberdeen fans.
1: Uh, no, most Aberdeen fans seem to think that uh, the the manager should be going in and having a go and doing all <laughs> these sorts of things that have no like like any coach would never ever say have a, like you've got to manage the game you've got to manage your opponent you've got to set up for it the team there made sense to me right so all you do as a manager is you prepare for the game they knew how it was going to go losing players like johnny hayes was a big loss for them i think because it really changed the way they defended especially with matty kennedy who just isn't good defensively in that that flank so they lose a lot of that there and that changes the way you defend on the right as well it all has a, a knock-on effect you have to have your best, strongest team. You have to all play at 100% level. Everyone has to be like an 8 out of 10 on Football Manager to be able to get a win out of that. Like, it sounds daft, I will talk about video games and that, but if you play something like Football Manager, you just don't beat Celtic with that team you start with. It takes time to put players in, and it's the better players you get in to do it. You can do it now and again. One every 10 or something like that. Just, I don't know what you expect, Laura, honestly. Well,
4: well Derek, Derek McInnes did say that... that- the best team uh, won it in the first half, which yes, was which absolutely. was Celtic. So yeah. I, I i can I can understand where Laura's coming from because it does feel that if your if your thoughts are well, the best team won it in the first half. There was still a second half to to try something. But what or, do you think they were And yeah, I, I, I take your point, JJ. No, you got to analyze it, it. You, it, you it just say
1: they should do better. You got. To say but what JJ, they, they, should they do. did
5: better the week before? Are you trying to say that Aberdeen turned up at Petardry? But Celtic were just a far better team at Hampden. What was the difference in seven days?
1: So many different things Like the things they can work on in training The way the players get together Like even just the way they're putting the balls together The confidence they've got from that 2-0 draw during the week Aberdeen missing Johnny Hayes Like you just said Changes the way that feels on the left and Changes the way things are on the right but Cosgrove is slightly different Maybe he shouldn't have started Come on later on If they hadn't let in that goal from Christie, As soon as Celtic score that goal It changes the game Because mm. Aberdeen have to push And Celtic can sit and pick them off Which they're very, very good at doing
4: McInnes did say, you know that The first goal is so important in
1: these games Yeah Absolutely. If Aberdeen, if Aberdeen scored the first goal, this is the key to it, right? If Aberdeen scored that first goal, they can sit back, then they can hit Celtic on the counter. And that could have been a totally different game. Totally this different.
4: Was, this was Celtic's first win in five matches. Odds on Edouard was back. Still looks like he needs a bit more match fitness. Um, but who knows? Celtic, if they win against Hearts... If, um, we'll yeah, uh, If they win, <laughs> they could be... They, I, I was looking up what, what the f- fifth treble would be, a quintuple. Could you imagine that? Yes, Quintiple. absolutely. Well, this is the problem, right?
1: <laughs> so people, you'll say like, oh, Aberdeen should give them a go. The, the problem is Celtic should win every single game they play in by default in Scotland. They should win every single game. And, uh, and so if they don't win, it's the manager's fault. And then Lennon should be out. He should be gone. Kill him. This is the problem you've got. But like someone has to beat them at some point. And it's not that Lennon's anything wrong. It just will happen at some point. Probably not in a cup for a while. One day it'll happen, but it'll be like the fourth round or something like that. <laughs> the, the one
4: thing for me was that, you know, Celtic this season have been a fragile side. And the, the performance against them last weekend um, highlighted that for, for me. And I thought I thought Celtic, even after that big performance against Leo it would have been a bit more meat to the game but i'm not having you know, a fragile I tell your thing. point these things these things happen no these but I don't happen. Get, don't and get Celtic's performance thing. against Lille um certainly gave them some impetus potentially in this game but we should we should talk about an extra time game in the edinburgh derby
0: At Paddy Power, we know competition for the remote control can be fierce at the weekends. So, in order to give the non-football-loving occupants of your house something to do, here are some of our top suggestions. Go for a walk. Walk the dog. Walk to the shops. Go cycling. Cycle the dog. Recycle the dog. Just go! All very good options, we say. And that's not the only one. If one leg of your four-plus-fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Paddy Power max free bet 10 pounds I min mean, odds twenty five on each leg online exclusive exclude shop bets T's and seas apply 18 plus be the Totally football shows and the athletic are delighted to be
3: supporting football aid for the months of October and November bid now at footballaid.com to get your hands on some incredible football memorabilia including signed shirts from Stephen Gerrard Gianluca Villali Gareth Bale and even Peter Crouch's boots find out more get bidding and support the cause at footballaid.com
0: has instilled in these players
4: history was in Hart's side they tend to have Hibb's number when it comes to the Scottish Cup and on Saturday night it was no different uh, Robbie Nielsen's men 2-1 winners in extra time and uh, pretty pretty good good fun
5: semi-final a good fun semi-final that's what we a all love isn't it good fun semi-final <laughs> yeah I enjoyed this one I I caught the end of it because I'd been working on Saturday uh, by the time I got back in from Livingston managed to see the end of the first half into extra time really enjoyed it um, and I think it's really good for hearts I think it kind of it rounds off this. No, it doesn't quite round it off but it's, it's good for the, the narrative of this season and last to see a team that has been through so much in terms of Scottish football over the last few months um, Be involved in what is last season's scottish cup this season (laughs) in a rerun of the previous season's scottish cup final
4: (laughs) you saw what it meant to robbie nielsen didn't you like that full time that 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 kind of release of tension it seemed um it it did it it showed how much it meant to to robbie nielsen particularly and the players at the end everything they'd been through it was it was a very very good night
5: there was a lot of pain um he, he talked about a lot of pain and a lot of emotions that hearts have been through this this year in his calendar year. So yeah, I think it's a kinda not quite a reward, but it'll be a release of um relief for them as a squad to really get that that incentive to now go on to the final and prove a lot of people wrong as well.
4: There was, you know, the highlight was an extra time when Hibs were awarded a penalty after um
1: what looked like a die from Jo Yeah. Yeah, it was maybe. Yeah, I'm more convinced uh, because I've seen I've been able to see the angle better on the AD white one. I think Mm. that's the I think that's a really really clever dive. Um, not a dive, do you know what I mean? Like he's I know what you mean. Both of them played for it, didn't they? Both
5: both penalties were very controversial, I think. Um, especially the AD white one, I think he did get touched, but he it was he after made sure he, he was touched. Yeah, point, he went yeah. down and then was touched as he went down. I mm-hmm. think both played for it. Um,
1: I think he had the arm in his back as well so they had like, the momentum pushing him so he could... like It was just an easy penalty to win, basically. Like, it's it's a, both a dive and a foul at the same right. time, if that makes well, any sense.
4: A tale of two penalties. What is it? Liam Boyce um, scored from the spot for Northern Ireland um, in the playoffs against Bosnia. He put his away. But Kevin Nisbet, who's... Had a great season so far. Smashes the crossbar. So unlucky.
5: Yeah, you'd be expect him to to be finishing it off. That late on in the game as well. As soon as he steps up, you think, that's it. Ty's going to Hibs. But no late drama. Marciano's had absolutely no luck in goals at penalties at Hamden recently, has he?
1: I thought this game <laughs> uh, was really, really, really even. Like On the flip of a coin to, to who yeah. won this. Both the, like everything if you look at the like behind the under the hoods uh statistics. Under the hoods? Under the hoods Under the, the Hood statistics. Under the hoods, yeah. Nice. Uh I but everything's just pretty equal. They share possession, XG's pretty much exactly the same. You've got it's just no real way to separate them and I think they were quite evenly matched. Which goes to show that Hearts really shouldn't have been relegated in the first place. <laughs> you can
4: easily see this Heart side being competitive in the Premiership. Oh, easily. I
1: think. Top six, yeah. It's, it's funny how it, it goes like that. It's just a bit of momentum goes the wrong way, and then the pandemic comes along and you get relegated. But well, these things <laughs> yeah. happen now and again. Uh, I thought one thing that is interesting is looking at how how well Craig Gordon did with that one yeah. save that he turned away with a really strong wrist. That's a difference, right? Just with, with players. So you could say that, say, Heads uh, have scored that and they're going on to win. And you think, well, the manager might have got it wrong. No, it's because the goalkeeper was just really good, better than the ones they've had previously. And uh, that save uh, made all the difference. Nisbet's really unlucky. I think it's yeah. really brave of him to go for the top corner as well. Like, rather than go safe, just play it down, and try and read the goalkeeper, he tries to place it in the top corner and uh, gutted, gutted for it him. Was, yeah.
4: um, it ended up being a, kind of a, a fitting end because it, it started with some pretty sad news when... Um it broke that former Hearts captain Marius Lucas had passed away. Um obviously he'd he'd lifted the Scottish Cup as Hearts captain in twenty twelve and he's only thirty six, so it kind of highlights I think I think um
1: It's a year older than me, it's mad.
4: Yeah, and it's I think the team only found out like just before they they walked out as well.
5: No, Robbie Nielsen said he'd found out just before the team right. walked out, and he kept it from the players until after the game, which is wow. really quite something. Because you imagine the high of coming off the pitch, having booked your place in the the Scottish Cup final, and then finding out something like that—it must be—it just must bring you straight back down to earth again. It's horrible.
1: Yeah, I put a lot of this into context. Yeah, absolutely.
5: Just um, just a note on what you were saying there about Craig Gordon. Um, he still got it, hasn't he? Was he thirty seven? Obviously, he had a lot of bad injuries in his career and stuff. He's still got it. I think I saw a few people over the weekend tipping him for a Scotland call-up. Um, I don't think this is too crazy a suggestion. Um, Ro- Robbie, Ma- Robbie McCrory is obviously in the under-21 squad this time. So who is going to be our third-choice keeper behind Marshall and McLaughlin? I don't really see the issue of putting a, a reliable pair of hands in just as backup
1: in case we need him No, I don't think so. That yeah, makes that sense He'd basically be a goalkeeper coach To help out there as well Who knows hmm. I like how any player in Scotland Gets two games And it's suggested he, <laughs> <game. laughs> like, he could be good yeah, Steve, I do Remember that last season
5: <laughs> I, I just I'm still Trying to go over the fact That Craig Gordon Started the cut run with Celtic And is now going to End it with Harts It's just weird to it's certainly story. going
1: to be An interesting final But interesting this is the thing Because of the final He could technically get A losers And a winners medal <laughs> <laughs> because although I think um, the uh, I think the way the rules work is that it's the players in the squad that are given the medals. I think it's uh, I need to really find this out. I can't find it anywhere online. That would um, be very interesting. Whether uh, it's down to the manager or you know the club. I'm sure like, he
4: probably won't though. No, but I, I know what you mean. Be, he qualifies. I kind of-
5: kind of want him to just so he's got that as a story to tell his grandkids in years to come because that's it's frameable isn't it yeah that's something for like the the sfa hall of fame <laughs> <laughs> like the what you call it? The, the museum at hamden
1: well put craig gordon in the museum <laughs> this goalkeeper belongs in the museum <laughs> i go to that exhibit
4: whoever picks up their medal it's going to be a nice christmas pleasant present pleasant it will be pleasant um, what is it? The cup final takes place five days before Christmas. So one to look forward to for Hearts. I fans wonder who'll win
1: depends. that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, let's turn our attention back to the Premiership.
2: This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham.
3: You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and The Athletic.
4: Rangers got the job done at Rugby Park with a 1-0 win over Kilmarnock to go nine points clear at the top of the Premiership. James Tavernier with an early penalty. It's his 10th goal of the season. I think that's his sixth penalty (laughs) that he's
1: scored. He is ruthless from the spot. Um, What was Ross Millen doing? Uh, He was... Handballing it by. Right. He jumps up having his uh, arm in the air, like he just doesn't care. And the, uh, <laughs> I think, does seven. the ball bounce off his head first onto his hand? I can't remember. No, no, either, no. Goldson, Goldson heads That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's, Goldson yeah, heads it, it, and Millen just seems to slap it away. He'd be annoyed if it was you doing it, wouldn't he? Because he, he knows he shouldn't have his hand up there, and he didn't mean it. It's ball to hand. Like, if you're playing five a side, it's ball to hand. But it's a. Uh, you can see how it's given in a game like that. I mean, all, you, just don't give Rangers a penalty. Like they could, yeah, I thought Killy were great in this game. Thought they played really well, especially the last fifteen minutes. They took the game to them as well, and they t- like turned it up. It's like the game plan was to keep it quiet the whole game, then use the final fifteen to go for them. Um, they, yeah. they were they were
4: limited in chances, I would maybe say, but um, I, I think uh, this is this is the type of game that most people. Gerard said it in his post match comments that the, the 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 game was drummed up as a place that Rangers don't like going. Um but it's it's one that they've won again and they just seem to be so unbeatable right now. There's an aura about them that's that's just untouchable and uh I don't know I don't know what the answer is really for anyone.
5: I just thought Rangers they, as you're saying, Kelly were great. Um Rangers were good enough, but they just weren't amazing in this game. And that's what's I think maybe making the difference this season is they're they're shaping up the way they have to just to kind of get by. Some games that is maybe more difficult. I mean, rugby park has been notoriously difficult for them in the past. Um, even after taking leads and still losing the fixture, so it's been a really good test. From I think the back four and McGregor were were pretty much rock solid for Rangers. But that says a lot that you're picking out the back line as being the standouts in the game. Um, you
4: look at you look at the fact that they've travelled to Celtic, Aberdeen, Hibbs, Motherwell, Livingston, and Kilmarnock. They've only conceded three goals.
1: They're so much better than everyone else. Just them and Celtic are just miles ahead for everyone else. You can see it in the league already, like I mentioned earlier, the goal difference. You can see how far apart they are from the rest of the teams. That team that Rangers had, every single player would be the best player at Killie by ten miles. And it's kinda sure. like that's what you're that's what you're up against. Again, you need Rangers to have an off day. They're a solid team now and they're hard to beat, so they don't give away the silly goals that they maybe were in the past. And they're starting to build up a bit of momentum that is very hard to derail. Uh, yeah, it's The thing is for about 75 minutes that game I thought like Rangers they can win the league here They they look just the real deal But then Kelly change it up And then even though there's 1-0 down you see They they Mm -hmm. kind of come back into it Well like they're they're really well coached Kelly I think they look like a half decent team They just don't have good enough players Cutting edge (laughs) It's really simple Scottish football isn't
4: it? they rely so heavily on on Chris Bark don't they for some ingenuity and Greg Kilty to some extent but he's not, uh, he's not consistent was enough but, yeah, yeah. but they've, they've got some good players
5: the difference there is I think the the difference with Rangers is there's not really a drop off in quality now when they rotate their, their team like the before squad. so yeah, like absolutely. last year like, when Mariles and Kent were out they would Turn to the foe But this season They've got options They've got Roof They've got and Hadji, Barker as well That They're different types Of replacements They all bring different things But they're quality replacements at that. I think
1: uh, On that note as well I think Not a replacement But Barisic I think is a high level like Premier League player I, I think he could go and Be one of the Top 10 teams Straight away Do you like uh, him
4: more Than Tavenier Because
1: obviously Tavenier's number. Do I like are, him more
4: <laughs> Well as in, as in Would you not suggest That is That level of player too
1: no, I think Tavernier, this is hard to explain What my thinks, my thinks thoughts <laughs> What your Tavernier thinks are? <laughs> are I think Tavernier is great for Rangers As the captain there, but I think there's too much There's not enough Sorry, not enough to his game defensively For him to play at A level like, I don't know In the Premier League, I don't know, he'd do a job But I think he'd end up being for a relegated team Like I mm. I think he's really good mm-hmm. But he's more of a like an attacking Fullback, he has to play in a really good team To get away with it if he goes to a sort of bottom half team, I don't in a, in a higher division. I don't know if he'd be okay. He's perfect for Rangers, like just yeah. a phenomenal player for them. But, Do you yeah. know who
4: I think had a really good game in this? Cedric Ettin, I actually think was really really good for his hold up play and bringing Tavernier in, who likes to come forward so much. And it's it's funny, like I realised that um, he hasn't actually had a break in football because playing for uh, St Gallen in the Swiss league. They only finished their season on the, the end of July, and then he made his first start for Rangers on the 9th of August or something like that. Like, they've had to manage him really well, and I kind of think he played one of his best games for Rangers so far, even though he's been used so intermittently. Maybe doing Kilmarnock a bit of a disservice to, from taking it away from the game and maybe, you know, looking at the title here, but Celtic with two games in hand, Rangers nine points clear. Obviously, Rangers are in a much happier position. Is, is it a psychological blow to Celtic to see that that bigger gap?
5: I know. I'd say it's more of a psychological boost for Rangers, but Celtic will just say, "Like we've got two games in hand. We've got we can win the next Old Firm game, and everything will be okay again." I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'll play much in anyone's minds. The fans will enjoy it though.
4: Um, we should also mention that. Bad news for Rangers, George Edmondson and Jordan Jones have been suspended by the club and must isolate for 14 days. They attended a private gathering, it's called, on Sunday with people outside of their household. Worse still for Jones, uh, it looks like he's going to miss out on Northern Ireland's Euro 2020 playoff against Slovakia as well next week.
1: I mean, come on, lads. I wonder whether he'll end up being shipped out in January now. After the week, remember he went and... Was he? Who did he try and boot into the outer space and injured himself?
4: It was a Celtic player, Celtic I remember. Player, yeah. his first, I think it was his first game for, for Rangers.
1: Yeah. I, I wonder, and after all that time it's taken for him to get back in the game, he's had a couple of good couple of good performances, but I wonder if Gerards will just think he doesn't want that kind of characters around. I don't know. I don't know what he's like as a person. Uh, but yeah, I don't think Gerard will be very impressed with that. Anyway. We've been talking for months about how best to get
4: supporters into stadiums while kind of looking enviously over at the Bundesliga in Germany as fans began to file back in there prior to last weekend. So who better to speak to than a Scotsman who actually works at a Bundesliga club? So let's say hello to Ross Dunbar of Union Berlin. Hello, Ross. How are things? And and just tell us what you do at Union.
6: Uh, so hi, everybody. Um, yeah, it's the first day of lockdown, so... <laughs> Just getting ready for the next months ahead. But yeah, so my, my job title is digital media manager, but it's a lot more varied than that. Uh, basically anything that comes onto our table internationally falls under my unit. So it's quite a broad uh, role in the last couple of years that I've been at the club that's obviously been, you know, around developing the, the fan base in the UK, selling tickets in the UK, developing our membership. Um, but without without crowds in the stadiums, that's obviously become more of a digital job. So, yeah, I mean, just facing the same challenges as everyone else, really, in the football business.
4: The Bundesliga was quite heralded when they were the first uh, major uh, division to come back to play football with all their kind of protocols and whatnot. And everyone was wanting the English Premier League to follow that the same rules because it, it looked like it was going so well. But you were able to get fans in now recently. You had... Up against Freiburg, I think you had almost 4,500 through the door. How, how did that go, having fans back?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's gone, it's gone really smoothly. I mean, the thing about um, the way they've handled it is it's very, very complicated because the league isn't willing to make a, a blanket decision for every club, and the German government isn't willing to make a decision for every club. So it's all down to the regional governments to decide. There's 16 regional governments in Germany, so... They all decide based on their own protocols what clubs can have fans in the ground or not. So, so for example, if you look at, I think, someone like Werder Bremen, Werder Bremen have had basically no leeway at all from their government, whereas we've had uh, a maximum of 5,000 up until October the 24th. And that last game against Freiburg was, was interesting because that came in just after the German government basically said, um, we're going to increase the protocols around mask wearing. So basically in the stadium, you have to wear a mask. And they, they, the Berlin government brought in a rule that prohibited uh, singing and chanting. So that that presented a little bit of a problem, I think, uh, given the way that Union Berlin fans like to support their team during the game. So the fans were quite creative and they brought uh, pots and pans and all sorts of kitchen appliances <laughs> that you can think of. And uh, I'm not sure it's particularly safe, but I mean, they were sort of uh, clapping their way through the game. So, yeah, I mean, everything went smoothly. I mean, the Germans love these protocols and strategies and measures. So, I mean, this is ideal for them. I mean, the DFL's hygiene concept is like 85 pages. So, it basically takes into consideration every single uh, situation you can possibly imagine. So, so far, everything's gone according to plan.
5: Ross, I've got so many questions on this. But um, just to kind of start at the beginning, I mean, what... Can you just kind of bring us up to you, because you mentioned lockdown starting there. What is it like in Germany in general just now, just to kind of give us a bit of context compared to what it's like for the football? Is this new lockdown affecting the fans at games as well?
6: Yeah, so basically for the next month, there's just a blanket a blanket ban. Uh, the German government agreed with the 16 regional governments to, to implement a, yeah, a policy for every game to be behind closed doors. Obviously, professional football... Is being given a little bit of special exemption that it's not being closed down like other businesses. Basically, now you only really have essential businesses open, so the football side of things is getting a little bit of, of leeway. Um, but we have two home games, for example, this month against uh, Bielefeld and Frankfurt, and both are going to be played behind closed doors. So it's a little bit disappointing, but um, yeah, I think it's understandable given how much the, the number of cases have gone up in Germany in the last few months. I mean, Angela Merkel was predicting something like twenty thousand by Christmas, and we're already getting to that point. So, uh, it's, I think it's if it's on a scale compared to the UK, yeah, it's maybe not as serious, but I don't think it's that far away.
5: Do you get the sense that obviously, as Annoying that you're going to have to take this step back again, but you've you've clearly had the experience now to get straight back into game and things do relax. But do you get the sense that the the German FA and the government in Germany are on the fan side with this, or is there a kind of reluctance from them to kind of give the fans what they want?
6: Um, I, I, I think it, I think it depends probably who you would speak to. I mean, the the CEO of the DFL, Christian Seifer, has done a, a pretty incredible job to convince every political leader you can imagine to allow fans to come into the stadiums. I mean, there was this huge negotiation period at the start of um, March where they had to, yeah, they had to convince politicians to allow them to actually play at all, to get access to the testing, to get the games going ahead. And that was obviously quite a good sign for the Bundesliga. Um, But I think a lot of it comes down to, I mean, especially in Germany, um, and I guess it's probably the same in the Premier League, that there are so many jobs just reliant on this, Mm -hmm. Um, I mean they're talking, I think at the time they were saying it was something like 65,000 jobs across the Bundesliga are dependent on the games going ahead, but that's not even with crowds, that's just getting the TV money in the the door, so um, there's a lot of pressure on the clubs to get something over the line, but as time goes on I I think the financial stress is just going to be really, I think it's going to be felt by a lot of clubs going into winter and the new year, so that's why getting fans into the ground is now much more of a prevalent uh, conversation, um, because I think the clubs probably won't be able to survive just based on the T V money. I mean I know that I know that there's a lot of hyperbole around these things, but when you when you hear, you know, presidents of clubs saying that, you know, twenty out of thirty six professional clubs could go bust in the course of the season, I mean that's quite a worrying yeah. statistic, right? Yeah.
5: I, I mean, I know a lot of people here kinda of question once they're in the ground and sitting down, it's probably okay but people are obviously raising concerns over like how do they get into grounds and yeah. how do they get to the toilets and things I mean how does it work there is there is anything changed or is it just like less people equals more safety
6: um yeah kind of I mean just from my observations just can of be a little bit of a fly in the wall I've noticed definitely that we have more entry and exit points that's definitely been a big change we have uh, way more uh, safer ways to get into the ground than before so if you've got a ticket you've got an assigned entry point point. Uh, and against Freiburg I mean I was I was quite fascinated that in the first the first sort of hour and a half when the turnstile was opened there was hardly a queue at all so I mean you don't even have this sort of jam of people before the turnstile which I think was I think to me that was quite a surprise I thought okay you've still got to get 5,000-ish people in the ground there's going to be some congestion somewhere, but that wasn't the case. I mean, at the end of the day, the the public transport rules are set by the government, so they already exist, and people wear masks, they still commute to work. So these these rules are already in place, um, and it's just the same whether you're going shopping, whether you're going to a restaurant, uh, whether you're going to a football stadium, those rules are sort of independent of uh, the club's remit.
4: I was going to say that... You can kind of look at Scottish football from the outside and I don't know how difficult that is for you because you'll have a busy schedule, but do you have any thoughts on how Scottish football have been trying to handle this situation? Because we might see some fans back uh, in some capacity with the new tier system that the Scottish government's brought in. We might even, I think it's Elgin hosting Queen's Park, might even see some fans. But do you, from the outside looking in, see things that... Maybe you think things could be dealt differently compared to how things are being dealt with in Germany?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, th- I think I think the the way that the government's handled um, Scottish football is a little bit wild, to be honest. Um, you know, I don't think... I don't think many people would be unreasonable to the situation that the government finds itself in, that it has to find a way to restrict um, infections. I mean, from the game against Freiburg that, that you mentioned before, there are... Was not a single. There was not a single case uh, mm. connected back to that game, and there's no. There's not been any, high, at least public cases connected back to football. And I think the track and trace success rate in Germany is like seventy five percent. So I mean, it just shows you that, um, yeah, football stadiums are not necessarily a, a super spreader place that you would you would expect. Um, yeah, I mean, especially in Scottish football, where you have such a, a diverse range of. Um, stadium sizes capacities all that kind of thing i think it's i think it's very frustrating for the clubs particularly in the lower leagues i mean i can under i can understand why the government's reticent to you know allow twenty thousand, twenty five thousand into ibrox or celtic park that's fairly understandable but given how given how important those revenue streams are for the smaller clubs i mean it's it's essentially cutting off your other arm when other ones are already hanging off so it's it's very frustrating and I think Scottish football generally has this problem where at a political level it doesn't really get the credibility it deserves um you know I think the SFA published a report that Scottish football delivers something like 1.3 or 4 billion euros to the economy in Scotland so I think at a political level it deserves to be treated a lot fairer and I think in Germany that's probably the big difference is that there does seem to be a a collaborative culture where people yeah. would rather get to a solution rather than find any any problems.
5: Just, just one last one for me, Ross. Um, obviously, I'm someone that like is so big on the kind of ultra scene, and I'm desperate to get fans back in as soon as possible. But. It was, like, kind of interesting for me to see the, the whole pots and pans thing from the supporters. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously there's, like, so much, there's so many gaps and they're not allowed to shout and sign. they've got the masks on and stuff. Do you still get the sense of them actually enjoying themselves? Or are they, at this stage, just enjoying the novelty of being back in the ground?
6: Yeah, I, th- I think 100% they're enjoying it. I mean, I think given the, the times that we live in, these are still, like releases to normal people right you can still go and have a beer you can still have a bratwurst you can still stand you can still talk to your friends i mean it's you know it's not like there's a huge distance i mean it's like one and a half meters and so every every marking on the terracing has a number so you say okay you stand at number nine and you stand at number 12 and okay there's there's about one and a half meters between them obviously from the ultras point of view the ultras are not attending the games right now they don't think they can deliver their support in the organised way that you've had before without you know, social distancing and stuff like that, which, which is fair enough. And I think every club's understand understanding of that position and the ultras are certainly understanding of it as well. Um, but yeah, for, for supporters, it's fantastic to still have that thing to look forward to, right? I mean, it makes a huge difference, especially going into you know the second lockdown, depending on how long this one would be. But to have that thing to look forward to at the end of the week still makes a massive difference to, to people's mental health, I think.
4: Elsewhere in the Premiership, Motherwell continued their good run. Four wins in five now, as they won 2-0 at Livingston. Two of your favourite named players, JJ, scored on this game. Twat and Klang. <laughs> Tony Watt and Callum Lang. Callum Lang, Callum Lang, Callum Lang. Surely that's would be the fan chant, Laura, no?
5: If we ever get them back, it could possibly be.
4: <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Fiftieth Motherwell game for Declan Gallagher as well.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased for him this one. Um, he's kind of turned his career around and kind of buckled down and is really focused and progressing now. I think he's done really like he's a, kind of a the joker off the pitch and the leader on it, but he's more than just that. I think when he, he came to the club, we asked him what his aspirations were and um, asked him about Scotland, and he kind of laughed as if it was a kind of distant dream, like it was unachievable. Um, but we did our best to build him up. The coaches obviously did their bits to help him progress in the pitch. And he cares so much about his career. He's he's quite humble and determined and passionate about everything that he does. So, yeah, it's just another sort of landmark for him in terms of his Motherwell career. And it goes hand in hand with how well he's doing internationally just now. So it's good and for him. And it me. shows
4: how much that maybe Livingston are, are missing a player like that now. Obviously, he was at the... At Livingston um, two years ago But Livingston now really, really struggling I think they're only four points clear of, of Hamilton Who are bottom of the table um, And they've played two more games than him um, Livy have the third best home record in the Premiership Last season But now they're only the eighth It's 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 much harder this year And I think we've said this before But when they chop and change their team sell their best players It's always so difficult to expect the same as previous years
1: do you know something that's odd about And um, when you look at the under-the-hoods stats <laughs> is that they have the fourth-best uh, expected goals of any team in the league this season? Really? Yeah. So they're behind Celtic Rangers, obviously, then Aber- uh, uh, Hibs, uh, with 17.13 is their XG, and they scored 13. That implies that, you know, they... Uh, Will score more and be okay But they also might say that their strikers Aren't performing as well as they should Which I think is more mm-hmm. likely the case But their expected goals against uh, What's in the middle So they're not really any worse or better than many teams But they have conceded far more than they should have Which again would imply that Either it's going to balance out and be alright Or the goalkeeper isn't very good mm-hmm. Which I'm inclined to think might be more uh, The reason at the moment uh, it's difficult to see what Livingston do I think the manager is uh, very talented and I like what he does with them but the problem just seems to be like it is with so often in Scottish football that the players just aren't good enough <laughs> and they haven't replaced the ones that went out and the ones they signed to try and replace them I mean you'd think players like Jason Holt make a difference, it hasn't quite seemed to work yeah. yet Pittman. Pittman's been alright this season as well I think but but they're just
4: missing that focal point up front, and like I take your point on the players just not not you know performing at the levels that they should. Gary Holt said that this game was rubbish. The weather was horrific, wasn't it, Laura? But but Motherwell managed managed to do absolutely fine and just showed that they are at a level that are probably well above what Livingston are at the moment.
5: Yeah, oh, t- the weather was horrendous. It was the worst wind. Um, I think I can deal with rain and snow, but uh, games about wind was just horrible. Yeah, I think Motherwell really kind of come themselves now. I think they're kind of putting that bad start to the season behind them um, and really showing that they're kind of becoming the team that they were last season. Um, we were talking about Lang and Watt obviously scoring with, with They've been playing really well in a kind of four three three formation the last couple of games. Um, with lying on the right of the three and and walk through the middle, and they are both just kind of they're looking dangerous in terms of attacking threats, poaches in the ball and and to be honest that this week against Livingston and last week against Ross County, neither team really threatened. Um, Aaron Chapman in goals. There there weren't really many attacks to really be worried about. Um, Motherward just started kind of doing the business just now, wrapping up the points. And that's, that's kind of what is important. And I think one of the kind of standouts as well right now is, is Mark O'Hara, who's slotted into defence, um, into centre half, well over a lot of injuries across the back line. And he's been absolutely outstanding. I saw some that started. No other, no other centre back in the Premiership won 100% of his aerial duels um, and defensive duels at the weekend. I mean, it, that's the sort of stats that JJ comes out with, but it, it kind of shows just how well he's doing. He's, he's up there in terms of percentages. He's up there with some of the best defenders over the course of the season right now. I know it's only been a couple of games, but he's done. I think it was only in terms of just over the last two games. I think only Shane Duffy has has done better on him in terms of aerial duels over two games. He's 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 versatile. He's um yeah. he's very good at slotting into whatever the manager needs him. And he's been a rock in defence so far.
1: Only thing with those. The important thing with those stats is that I mean things like aerial duels depending on who you're playing against, and if you're playing against Libby, for example, they're just going to hump the ball in the air, so you're going to get more headers. Yeah.
4: It's going to be a different task, though, isn't it, on Sunday, I think, when they play Celtic and um, Livingston have got Ross County, who have been a team that they've liked to play against of late. So let's talk about Ross County, because they lost again against Dundee United 2-1, and this off the back of, of United announcing that the, the club have to cut staff and players' wages. Um, by looks, about 20% that they are looking to cut wages to stem the loss of um, not having fans in the grounds and whatnot. So it seems like they've responded to this news okay. I've heard that they're kind of quite accepting of the scenario and the situation that you know players are, are all up for just doing what they need to do to keep the club afloat. And Mickey Mellon, the manager, has just said, look, we just crack on and carry on.
1: Yeah, but to obviously they're not gonna game. turn up and try and lose, are they? <laughs> what are you well, saying?
4: No, but no, I'm not saying they would try and lose, but it can affect your mentality going into
1: games when you have other worries in the back of your mind. Uh Dundee United have very quietly managed to get themselves into a nice looking place in the table. So it's still very early in the season, but thirteen games, sixteen points, not bad. Um, sitting in the top six. Like I think they're doing all right.
5: This was the uh, the first goal. Was the, the comical handball from Ian Vigers?
1: Yes, very this good.
5: Was, this was ridiculous. So he, <laughs> he catches the ball behind him and kind of cradles it, the ball under yeah. his arm, like he's about to take it home. <laughs> I don't think Vigers knew anything about what was happening. No, um, it looked ridiculous, but very funny <laughs> to
1: watch. Yeah, Ross County or another who like the data kind of shows that they're just really in a bit a bit of trouble. No, yeah. Um, So Ross County's XG is the third worst. They've got 12.6 XG, but they've scored eight. So they're not scoring goals. And they have the uh, worst XG against in the entire league. So 27 goals they should have let in. They conceded 22. So they're actually overperforming. They should have let in even more than they have. They're not defending well and they cannot attack. And you think that is all the signs of a team who should be in the relegation battle going through the season because it when you get to this what we are early in the season but we're about what's it a quarter of the way through maybe a third so things are starting to come into how the how the league's going to form yeah and uh the weird thing is that they can produce goals like the one Shaw scores which is one of the best goals i've seen scored this season like play <laughs> out from the back through the lines a really nice passing from centre-back to midfielder, breaking the lines again with another pass, and another line-breaking pass in behind the defence to slot-pass keeper. It's absolutely brilliant. Like, it's the kind of thing you'd work on the training ground and you'd never expect to be able to pull off, yeah. whether it's because Dundee United have fallen asleep. It's an absolutely brilliant goal. But to follow that up with a bunch of nonsense afterwards is... Um, they're just, they're, it's easy to say they're in trouble, but they really are.
4: Sure, but it's just really, really disappointing because they I think they know they can play a lot better um but that's five wins five games without a win sorry for ross county and coming up against livingston it's one of those games where you kind of wonder like both it's probably going to end up the control let's face it but both teams desperate for three points uh but still to come we've got Kieran canning explaining the europa conference league but up next fantasy football scotland
5: This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad free via The Athletic.
4: It's time to say for f- sake or FFS for Fantasy Football Scotland. James Tavernier was by far the most captain player in game week 13 with 20% of Fantasy Football Scotland players skipping the Rangers skipper. You've been listening to Laura Brannan wisely. Oh my God. Our sage. It's just, I mean. Finally
5: listening. Every for time. All these weeks.
4: Every time I get to this segment, my head just slumps because I'm terrible now. And um, I have to say, I am 100% going to be playing my wild card. And I'm forced because I'm second last in our little mini-league. Well, it makes so, sense
1: because the top three scoring players are all Rangers defenders and don't think... Do you even have any? We've got Tavernier, Golden and Barisic, Barisic. top scorers.
4: I've got Barisic. And the thing is, I'm desperate. So if you're desperate, play your bloody wild card now because... I had Edwards, and I've kept him in this whole time that he's not been playing. It's ridiculous. I need to right, change Right, well,
1: it. who are we looking for this week? Who's a, a player that people got their eye on?
5: I think you need to look at the fixtures first. This is difficult because... I'll go through aberdeen, them quickly if you want. aberdeen Hibbs. that's a tough one to call. I think you go for attacking players from both sides.
1: I say the opposite. Look. I go really? defenders. Yeah, oh,
5: I think, I think there's going to be a few goals in this game. Hmm. Or you could sit on the fence and take some midfielders because both then you might get some assists and you might both, get some clean sheet points.
4: Both teams needing a big performance after getting knocked out of the Scottish Cup. Yeah, I think, um, I think there is going to be goals in this. Ross yeah, County
5: Livy, I think, is more, I, I would know where to go with that one. I would stay clear of that completely. I agree, both, it's too both, random. Yeah, both teams are struggling so much. That could be a nothing each or a three each. You really don't know. Um, right. I wouldn't be homing in that. So Johnson Kelly, I that, think that would be a good one. Um, I think Kelly
1: are the better team here, and both these teams beat teams who they are better than. Mm. It's uh, really, really simplistic. Like, you wouldn't believe I'm a professional football writer, but that's uh, a. <laughs> I'd bet with Kelly players, maybe Cabambas, maybe, maybe Burke. I still
5: don't think St Johnson's a bad bet. I mean, yes, okay, they had enough in each at the weekend, but Stevie may still got five goals in three games now. Um, Craig Conway got a double. Two games ago,
1: um, I don't. think. is a good pick. He's he's enough yeah. up as well. I think uh, Greg kildy's one to look for. Him. I've got him in my team. He's really cheap. Um, he's three million. He's, he's climbed a little bit because he's been starting and playing quite yeah. well. But he's one of the ones you can put in to try and save some money elsewhere. Uh, Samir and Dundee United. Uh, you've got um, Clark starting to. He scored two at the weekend. So maybe I'd, he's I'd, I
5: would for- maybe see clear of Samir because you just don't know how rusty they're going to be. It could go one of two ways. They haven't played what in five weeks. So they could be really not like struggling for match sharpness. Mm-hmm. Or it could go the other way where I mean when Motherwell came back after four weeks off, Motherwell went and beat Ross County by four goals. Um and completely denied that kind of theory.
1: So who knows? Um That could be I, a good one for Shankland actually, if you're looking at a striker. I was just gonna
4: say Shankland's a good one. He scored his first goal in the premiership against St Mirren. Um, I think he probably is a good one to get in. If you're going to pick a Dundee United player, um, it's probably always going to be him, even if Clark yeah. scored two.
1: I think Celtic would be too good for Motherwell on the weekend. I can't see them getting a result. That I mean, you never know, but I would have thought that the way to go with that is probably a Celtic defender, because I'm not sure he'll score the goal. Maybe Christie's coming in now. He should finish with loads of points. He's not quite hit them. Uh, Rangers, Hamilton, you've got to have the defenders. got to follow yeah. the, the Brandon way and do it. Um, Hellender made a few mistakes in the game against Killy uh, I, I know he's be, he's been in And he's basically made that position his own But I wonder whether he's sh- uh, Gerrard's looking for a reason To put him on the bench and bring Balogun in And Balogun's really cheap So it would be a bit of a, a rogue move To pick Balogun because he's so cheap But I just yeah, wonder whether that might be the case
4: I think you're right, Tavernier, Barisic Do what Kieran Canning did, he's top of our league Vice-captain Barisic, captain Tavernier. A total of 37 points. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get some odds now from Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. What's going on in the
3: championship, Charlie? Well, the teams in the Championship are feeling like most of us are at the moment because they're below pars, below par. <laughs> yes, it's uh, Dunfermline, who are top of the table with three wins out of three. Stevie Crawford's men travel to Air United on Saturday. Before that, Dundee are at Alloa Athletic on Friday night. And also on Saturday, it's Arbroath the Queen of the South, the bottom two. You don't like me saying that, do you, Andrew? The bottom no, two. No, I don't.
4: Thanks a for reminding me.
3: But... You might like me saying this. How about an Acker of three away wins for Dunfermline, Dundee and Queen's this weekend with Paddy Power offering odds of around 10-1? to Ooft.
4: Ooft, ooft, ooft. And um, what about the Premiership? It's back on Friday. Um, Aberdeen v Hibs, possibly
3: the tastiest one out of the lot. Yeah, the two losing semi-finalists in the Scottish Cup, both looking to bounce back like Alan Partridge. Aberdeen are <laughs> evens with Paddy Power to win this. Hibs are 5-2. to two. It's also former Ballon d'Or winner Sam Cosgrove up against future Ballon d'Or winner Kevin Nisbet. Cosgrove <laughs> is 9-2 first goal scorer. Nisbet 6-1. to one, And whichever one of them scores, needless to say, they'll have the last laugh. Brilliant. Yes,
4: Charlie. Brilliant. Well, you can find out these odds and more at PaddyPower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Some good news for Scottish football. Um, we've been banging on about the coefficient and with good reason, because as of next season, there will be five Scottish teams in Europe. So we're joined now. By our favourite European Scotsman, Kieran Canning from AFP. Kieran, break it down for us. Um who goes where?
2: Uh right, you've got half an hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so do you? It's actually it's actually quite simple once we get used to it. So the the UEFA Conference League has been brought in um, largely to help leagues like Scotland where teams really don't progress, um, particularly outside the top two, don't progress through the qualifying stages very often for either the Champions League or Europa League so now there'll be three competitions of 32 teams in a group stage so 32 as there is normally for the Champions League the Europa League is currently 48 so it'll be slimmed down to 32 and then another another competition of uh, of 32 teams from a Scottish point of view for next season whoever wins the league and finishes second sorry JJ but I'm going to assume that's going to be Celtic and Rangers one way or the other whoa yeah.
1: hey they are crazy. To
2: the qualifying stages for the Champions League, it's still very beneficial to win the league because you go into the Champions route. Um, Non-Champions route is much harder because you end up playing like teams like from Holland and places like that. Um,
1: Champions route is what Slaven calls. his move on.
2: And so the winners will have two qualifiers to go through in the Champions League. The second place team would have three qualifiers to go through whoever wins the Scottish Cup 2020 2021 version, not 1920, <laughs> um, will then go into the Europa League qualifiers uh, or again, if the you know, Celtic Rangers won the Scottish Cup, they would likely be third place in the Scottish Premiership would go into the Europa League qualifiers as normal. Uh, but whoever finishes behind that, so probably fourth and fifth or third and fourth, if the Scottish Cup winners are not Celtic and Rangers, uh, would go into the Europa, the Europa Conference League qualifiers, which should hopefully give other Scottish clubs more of a chance of getting into a proper group stage, uh, as in theory.
1: Wait, so they're still going to easier? Our, they still go into qualifi- qualifiers? Still going to qualifiers? Yeah. Oh no my
2: one, god! <laughs> even even if you're from the top five leagues, uh, everyone has to play a qualifiers. So no one goes directly into the group stages of the. Europa Conference
5: League So what's happened to the Europa League?
2: It's just shortened it a bit to um, so as I say it was uh, it's 48 teams in the group stage at the moment it's going down to 32 so it's basically cutting a lot the number of teams that go into the Europa League and putting a lot of them into the the Conference League basically it's trying to make sure there's uh, fewer games in the Europa League and bring the sort of average level of quality up a bit so, a lot of the teams that at the moment go into the qualifiers for the Europa League from all across Europe, or even that get into the Europa League group stages, um, as a 48 team competition, will be sort of separating the wheat from the chaff a little bit, and they're uh, throwing the chaff into the
1: Europa <laughs> Conference League. And this it's is something- just until uh, Rangers and Celtic are uh, they join the European Super League, correct?
2: <laughs> I I, th- I think I think if if uh, there were ever to be a, Euro- a European Super League, then Rangers and Celtic would very much be in the Europa Conference version of, of the European <laughs> Super League. <laughs> it's just kind of good news for, for, for some
4: Scottish teams to think that, well, they could have some sort of European campaign going all the way through to like December or something like that.
2: Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, UEFA often get a lot of uh, criticism for some of the things they do, but I, I do think they have tried certain things to, to make... European football more accessible to more leagues and more teams uh, in those leagues. And the, the Conference League is certainly part of that idea. I mean, the, the champions route for the Champions League as well has been another thing that um, has at least made sure you have a, a certain number of champions um, in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, hopefully from a, from a Scottish point of view, it's certainly um, having JJ and Laurel in there. You know, teams like Aberdeen, Motherwell, Pebs, they should certainly be targeting... The conference League with the idea that they can mm-hmm. they can definitely get into the the group stages. I mean, a lot of it depends on your your draw. Um, still, because there they will still be one team from each of the top five leagues in the uh, in the Conference League. So you know you could be in like Gabardine situation this year, for example, and get a, a Sporting Lisbon type thing. But um, there's, I wonder uh, there's if the they'll televise that draw.
4: I wonder if they'll televise the Champions League one's always very grand. Then the Europa League one, they kind of start firing balls out like a cannon, <laughs> trying to get it over so they can go to the Euro- their big UEFA party. There's some sort of shed so-
1: outside that one. <laughs>
4: yeah, exactly. It would be interesting. But um, Kieran, talk to me about Rangers and Celtic in the Europa League this week because um, Rangers travelled to Benfica. Um, they've had a very good start winning their first two group stage games um, and-, and Celtic kind of a good performance on Thursday but still needing points.
2: Yeah, I think for Rangers it's a bit of a free hit. It should be the the toughest game in the group, but both they and Benfica put themselves in a, a great position to to get through and it, I mean these two games should really be deciding who goes through as as group winners and who's uh, second in the group. For Celtic, yeah, it's a kind of must-win game now going up against um against Sparta Prague. They've had the their domestic season disrupted because of uh, because of COVID. The league is back off at the moment. Um, so they actually haven't played a league game in nearly a month, I think. Um, and I think Celtic, if they're going to have any chance of getting through this group, then they're going to need to win not just this game coming on Thursday, but the, the away game in Prague in a, in a couple of weeks as well. I mean, again, we come back to the the luck of the draw, it kind of shows how, how things go that Celtic were a, a pot one team and got Milan and Lille Milan are top of Serie A at the moment and Lille are second I think in, in Liga. Um, but yeah to have, a, to have any chance of, of going through I think you need six points in these two Prague games
4: That's all for today thank you for listening, thanks to JJ, Laura Ross, Kieran and the Little Kicks for our fantastic theme song we'll be back next week looking ahead to Serbia versus Scotland
5: <laughs>
3: You've been listening to The Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy News
5: Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddynewsmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta, and be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com.
2: Muddy Knees Media.
1: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub,